It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. Katie Workman is a cook, a writer, a mother of two, and an enthusiastic advocate for family meals. She's the author of the Mom 100 Cookbook and creator of the Mom100.com. The Mom 100 Cookbook was named one of the five best weeknight cookbooks in the past 25 years by Cooking Light, and NPR listeners selected a recipe from it as one of the 20 best recipes in the history of the Splendid Table. And let me say, that is a mouthful. And she's joining me today on Amy's Table to chat about her latest book, Dinner Solved. Hi, Katie. Hi, how are you? Good. So my goodness, you are prolific. (laughs) I mean, what's so cool about your books is they aren't just recipes. They're really solutions. They're really sort of um, methods of attacking, feeding your family. And I just think it's awesome that you're solving dinner and so much more for families across the country. And, you know, one of the things that you're known for is your fork in the road style of attacking a recipe. Tell everybody what that's about. Sure. Um, The fork in the road is the notion that you can prepare a recipe up to a point and then separate it and go in more than one different direction. So, for instance, if you have somebody in your family who likes things on the simpler side, but the rest of you are more adventurous eaters, you can separate out part of a dish and leave it on the plainer and simpler side before finishing the rest of the recipe for your family. Which I think is so smart. Oh, well, I'm... I've been loving this approach for a long time for my own family, and I get really good feedback. It's great when you have a vegetarian in the family. You can make a version that's vegetarian, or maybe you have somebody who's spice-averse, but everybody else loves spice or vice versa. So it's just a, a, a way of thinking about recipes as sort of flexible and convertible and allowing you to not feel like a short-order cook in that you have to make different things for different people or that you sort of sigh and resort to the well, he won't eat that, I'll pull out a bowl of cereal. But this way you can sort of, you know, get get at an, a whole family meal with one recipe just by morphing it a bit along the way. I think that is so smart. One of the things that I always advocate is sort of that cook once, eat twice philosophy too. And I, I yeah. don't mean that, you know, leftovers necessarily, but morphing something into something else. What are some of your favorite examples in Dinner Solved about taking one meal and turning it into another? So I'm a big fan of that as well, Um, you know, evolving leftovers into a second meal, and there's quite a bit of that as the fork in the road as well. So, for example, there's a Spanish-style beef pot roast that just a lovely classic pot roast with some Spanish flavors like smoked paprika, which is available everywhere, Mm -hmm. and, you know, your carrots and your onions, and you make this great braised pot roast and have that for dinner. But of course, it's a nice amount. So you take the leftover meat and shred it, and it turns into a Spanish beef and rice soup the next day or or several days later in the week. So you're not eating the same thing, you know, days in a row. And then you get two meals out of it, and they're different meals. That is so smart. I mean, really, when you see people attack every night as a whole new, you know, from the beginning, it's like, oh, I could show you such easier ways. I love that idea. And soup is one of those things that it seems like nearly any leftover, anything could be turned into a great soup. It's true. And soup soup is, of course, one of the best ways to use up leftovers or those vegetables in your vegetable bin that are looking a little past their prime. Yep. So, you know, their soup is, you know, you, all, you basically, most people have the makings of soup. It's, it's just a matter of putting yourself in the mindset of what's going in there. And, you know, and then you add your, some rice or some noodles or some cubed potatoes. You add some canned beans. 
some tomatoes, you know, from a can, diced or pureed or crushed. And, you know, there's, you know, you poke around, you might have some frozen peas, some frozen corn, and then, you know, you dice up the carrots and the celery and the onions you have around, and then whatever else. You have broccoli left over, half a head of broccoli. Maybe you even have some roasted butternut squash from the night before. All of that just goes into the soup. Yep, exactly. And then to me, soup is one of those things that it's so easy to take for lunch for kids mm-hmm. or for the grown-ups. It's so easy to say, oh gosh, I'm just going to have a cup of soup in the middle of the afternoon. I mean, I just, I love, I am a soup fan. Well, you we know, are too. one of the things is, of course, so many families, I don't even necessarily want to say they're in a rut because I think they're perfectly happy. But, you know, what is that statistic that the average American family cooks the same five recipes over and over and over? And I love that you've got, for example, one of your fork the road examples is deviled eggs. So let's take that classic. You know, everybody makes a deviled egg, but you can still feed your family that comfortable, you know, familiar dish, but you've got so many ideas to change that up. Definitely. I mean, I think, and I do think that people, I mean, I hear over and over again, oh my God, I feel like I'm in such a rut. I feel like I'm in such a rut. So people, some people may be very content with their, you know, handful of of favorites and by all, more power to them. You know, there's no, if you're happy, there's no reason to force yourself to shake things up. But if you're feeling bored, that's, you know, that's when people, that's when I usually hear from them. Um, <laughs> deviled eggs, you know, a classic deviled egg, which is a fabulous, wonderful, beautiful thing. And I just did an event last night and the deviled eggs were one of the appetizers and the first to go as they always are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you, you just, you're blending up the yolks with some mayonnaise, maybe some minced onion or shallot, a little mustard, maybe a little hot sauce, salt, paprika. Um, and that's great. But you could also take part of that filling out if you wanted to make some a little bit more exotic or a little different, and you can mix it with lemon zest and capers and chives, for mm. instance. Or you can mash in some, some ripe avocado and then sprinkle the top with crumbled crispy bacon. Mm. Maybe you'll mash in some goat cheese and chive, um, maybe sprinkle some jalapenos on the top of that. So there's so many ways to go. And and this is a really fun way to get the kids in the kitchen for experimenting because, you know, eggs are easy to cook. They're inexpensive. If you mess a few up, because who cares? Just pop them in your mouth. And (laughs) it's, it's a really good way to like explore the spice straw and you can open it up and sort of say, okay, you know, this is actually, I remember my, my younger son falling in love with cumin because he put that in his deviled eggs one time and he decided that was his favorite spice. So he's, he, he is forever making deviled eggs with cumin now, which is, you know, I think that's so great. Well, you know, it's funny because you're a big advocate, as as you say, for family meals, but families cooking, getting kids to really expand what they're willing to eat. And so how do you think those two things tie in? When a kid is cooking, do you think they instantly become a more adventurous eater? I'm pretty convinced of that. I think that, you know, I've seen time and time again when you get kids in the kitchen, when you get them exploring, you know, there's pride of ownership, obviously, in the dishes that they make. So, you know, they're pleased to present them to you. They they want to, to own them. And it, it's, you know, it's also giving them choice. It's giving them control. Why don't you decide what spice goes in the deviled egg? This recipe says salt to taste. You want to give it a, why don't you taste this and see whether or not you think it adds salt. You know, this, this recipe says you could use, you know, oregano or basil or thyme. What, you know, why don't you smell them all and decide which one you want to go in the turkey meatloaf. That's and so suddenly, smart. 
they have it's their recipe and they have pride of ownership and and also decision making power it's not just the ability to say i made this but the ability to say i decided that you know that this uh i was going to use chicken instead of shrimp and so that's what we're having in our lo mein tonight yeah, it's that's so smart. And truly, that just gives them, as you say, ownership, but also an, almost an obligation to try, right. <laughs> you know, but they feel sort of silly, not exactly you know, it makes sense. Exactly. Oh, I just think that's so good. Well, you know, you've got a couple of, of uh, kitchen hacks, if you will, and I love the, some of your tricks. Let's talk about baking bacon. I feel like everyone knows this, but I feel like a lot of people don't do it. And I'm to the point where I actually prefer the taste of baked yeah. bacon. Well, it's it's incredibly easy and has all sorts of advantages. So you just take a um, a rimmed baking sheet, and in the middle of it, you put a wire cooling rack, which they fit perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then you stretch out your strips of bacon on the cooling rack, as many as you can fit or as many as you want, and pop it in the oven at 350, 375 for about 15, 20 minutes until it's as crispy as as you want it to be, knowing that it crisps up a little bit more as it cools. Mm-hmm. And the advantages are you can bake about, you know, you can bake more than you can get into a pan. You don't have all that splattering on your stovetop. It's not hands-on time. You can just check it after 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you have 15 minutes to go do something else that you want to do. And the, if you care about your bacon being beautiful and straight, it is beautiful and straight. <laughs> that, to me, I, I just really like that. I've got to admit, I like a beautiful straight piece of bacon. You know, they don't it's all curl up. <laughs> it's a photogenic piece of bacon. Exactly. And you can keep that. Let the let the baking sheet cool. Let the bacon grease that drips off of it cool. But it's not frying in the grease that's all dripping below. But then you can save that bacon grease for any exactly. number of delightful things. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, very good. Well, Katie, this is really a great additional book. Again, it's called Dinner Solved. And one of the things that you're trying to solve in addition to dinner is hunger. And you're an activist for Hunger in America and part of of, uh, share our strength. Tell us a little bit as we head into this season how we can help solve hunger. Absolutely. Well, um, share our strength, which is also known as No Kid Hungry, because that's their mission to eradicate childhood hunger in this country. Um, they have a website and they have all sorts of information about volunteering or donating, getting active in their organization. And it's a really wonderful organization. They've got a lot of great partners out there and they're really tackling it. Um, they're partnering very closely with the school systems to try to get more access and awareness of breakfast in the school, um, meals in the school when school's not in session. These are still available, but if people don't know it, then they don't have the opportunity. They're trying to remove the stigma by offering breakfast to everybody in the school. So, so it's not smart. About, so it's really, they're, they're taking some very wonderful leading roles in this. And their website is nokidhungry.org. And you can find out so much more there. That's perfect. That's perfect. And of course, you can find out how to solve your own dinner dilemmas with Dinner Solved. And you can find that in bookstores, Amazon, everywhere. You can find more about Katie and her other books and all of her great tips at themom100.com. And Katie, as always, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks so much. And don't forget to contact us with your next book. Of course not. I will not do that. Thank you so much for having me back. Thanks, Katie. Stick around for another helping from Amy's Table on Q102.